horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome into a star-studded show with some of the greatest racing that we will see all summer long, if not the best day of racing. Certainly at Saratoga, we'll be coming up and we will call this Travers Weekend up there. It is the running of the Travers Stakes, a race that was first run back in 1864. And here's a good bar bet for you. The name of the horse that won the first Travers was Kentucky. How about that one? All right. Anyhow, just uh, a, a unbelievable card with, uh, you know, six grade one. I said grade one stakes races. That's as high as it gets in thoroughbred racing. So I reached down into my list of guests and right there, two of the most popular guests that we have on the show. Up first will be Dan Illman, the uh, dailyracingforum.com or drf.com, I should say, handicapping editor. And uh, he's pretty much uh, the anchor man there for drf.com. Uh, Dan uh, will, will be joining us uh you know, he's also written Spa Babies, and that, well, he does Spa Babies online at drf.com. He wrote uh, Betting Maidens and Two-Year-Olds. I'm wondering, how the heck do you do Spa Babies? You open up those two-year-old races, and it looks like the September sale at Keeneland with the top 10 sales toppers. Anyhow, we will ask Dan Illman of the Daily Racing Forum. And then a man who has often shouldered me during hard times, none other than the former host of this show, and that would be none other than the man I admire, Ed Meyer, will be joining us. So obviously both Dan and Ed are going to do the Travers Stakes, a holy race of obligation. And then uh, they have been assigned their mission, should they want to accept it is to take two of the other grade one races. So they split them up and just stay tuned and you'll find out who got what races here on winning ponies, but it promises to be an interesting show with some outstanding commentary on some even more outstanding races. All right. Well, we wondered when the up till now, the Kentucky Derby winner Medina spirit would uh, would raise his uh, simple horse head, and it will be this weekend on Sunday at Del Mar. It's a one hundred thousand ev- uh, dollar event going a mile, and it's called the Shared Belief after named at that uh, uh, really great racehorse who left us too soon. So um, it, he's been working very well. Uh, He's been in limbo, and now we know you'll get to see him race on Sunday, but it's not going to be a a walkover. It looks like they're going to use this as a prep for the $1 million Pennsylvania Derby. Now, that's run in late September, and obviously they want to get him into the shared belief because it's at Del Mar, and that's where the Breeders' Cup is going to be. So they want to see, you know, 
how he uh, likes the track. So, we, you know, I mean, he's been going as fast as 58 flat for uh, his last work. Uh, not too bad. The fastest is 69. And uh, so he worked a little fast at Baffert, but he's going to need a race. So we thought we'd give him a good one. So, uh, by the way, the Pennsylvania Derby is a million-dollar race. And guess who he's going to meet in there? None other than Rock Your World, who is on many people's Kentucky Derby tickets as their top horse. And so we'll see a rematch of the run-happy Santa Anita Derby, a race in which Rock Your World prevailed by four and a half lengths. As you know, he got rocked at the start of the uh, Kentucky Derby, and uh, hopefully he's back to his form before he got to Louisville. Well, congratulations, it doesn't stop for Deshaun Parker. What a year of highs and lows for him. And uh, we've had him on this show several times. I had his father on this show, uh, the late uh, Daryl Parker. And uh, he has now been announced as the winner of the 2021 Mike Venezia Award. Now, this award goes back to 89, and it's awarded to a jockey who displays extraordinary sportsmanship, citizenship, uh, just like Mike Venezia personified himself. Uh, sad to say he died of uh, injuries suffered in a spill back in 1988. Very prestigious uh, an award, of course. Deshaun, the classy guy is, says it's an honor just to be on the ballot for this award. And the, the fact that uh, it's extra special that my fellow riders are the ones who made the selection. And uh, he is certainly the poster boy for class uh, personified. Uh, if you rewind a little bit, it was just two weeks after uh, Daryl, his father, died that he was selected uh, winner of the George Wolf Memorial Jockey Award. And that was presented by Santa Anisa. Uh, and the Venezia Award is a bronze sculpture. I believe he's going to have to go to Saratoga to get it on September 2nd. But, you know, think of some of these guys who won the award. Bill Shoemaker, Angel Cordero, Jerry Bailey, Mike Smith, Gary Stevens, the MIG. Edgar Prado, Ramon Dominguez, Joe Bravo, Javier Castellano, and the list goes on. Those are some classy people. And if you've listened to Deshaun Parker on the show, you know he is a classy person. Well, here's a classy horse we hope to see back at the races, though. Maybe not in time for her repeat win in the Breeders' Cup. That won the $2 million disc staff last year. It probably won't make the trip because she's coming back back a little bit late who am i talking about how about monomoy girl what a horse she has been over years and what a story she's been i mean uh, she owns 14 victories and 17 starts think about that earnings of 4.7 million dollars trained by brad cox she went back into training uh this Thursday at Ellis Park. She was recuperating from muscle strains at a sore hamstring at uh, at Windstar. She's six years old now. Very sportsmanlike of the people at Spendthrift who uh, plunked down $9.5 million for her. Everybody thought it was as a broodmare last November, but they elected to keep her back in racing and took in the partners, my racehorse. So there's a lot of you listeners out there that probably own a chunk of her and Sol Kuman's Mataket Stables. 
So, uh, Monomoy Girl, look forward to seeing you back at the races. Well, Sadler's Joy has been sold. Boy, we've seen this horse race a lot. He's an eight-year-old son of Kitten's Joy who won her placed in 18 graded stakes. So, um, he's going to be entering stud in Turkey. Uh, owner breeder Arif Kurtel uh, had uh, success with Catapult over there, who's another son of Kitten's Joy. And he said, you know, if the response was so good to him, uh, for him, how good will it be for this horse? Uh, Sadler's Joy uh, was trained by Tom Albertini throughout his career. Again, one replaced in 18 graded stakes. Uh, the ones you might remember the most were well, race we're going to handicap uh, today. Uh, the Sword Dancer uh, also won the Grade Two Turf uh, Pan American, the Mac Dermida, if I'm saying that right, and the Red Smith. Uh, but he retired now with uh, a, a record of seven, four, and eleven from 37 starts, won over 2.6 million dollars, and uh, they were j- just so pleased to get him. And uh, uh, according to uh, Sansell, um, it's uh, too late to get him in a race over there because of shipping requirements. So they're just going to take it easy on him. And I, and I thought this was really nice uh, that uh, uh, Arif Kurtel uh, stated that uh, they thought they'd retire him now so that John Englehart of Winning Ponies would not lose any more money betting him to win in all the races that he finished second. I thought that was really nice of him to mention me in the quote. But uh, anyhow, off to Turkey he goes. Another retirement. How about known agenda? waiting for him to resurface when he didn't i thought ah this horse is probably going to be retired and uh yes he was now he did win the florida derby you remember that and he's going to go to uh stud at spendthrift farm introductory fee of ten thousand dollars uh he won over six hundred forty one thousand and became the first florida derby winner for his sire curlin and uh so Todd Pletcher even said that he reminded him a lot of Vino Rosso, who's standing at Spendthrift now, and uh, says that he possessed the qualities of some of the better curlins that he had had and uh, very well balanced. But remember this, that the Florida Derby, it can mark a horse. Uh, the Florida Derby uh, is uh, launched at Stallions. Uh, Scat Daddy, and how about the Red Hot Constitution? Scat Daddy, obviously, not with us anymore. Okay. Well, last week we took a look at some top races from coast to coast, and my buddy Rich Ng helped us out with Delmar. How about the Pacific Classic? Hats off to Matt Bernier. If you listen to him on the Pollock Report this week, Matt pulled down Tripoli. That's right, Tripoli at six to one. Got the job done in the million dollar Pacific Classic. He's a four year old son of kitten's joy and yes the pacific classic run on the main track that's his second win on the main in the second spot was tis a magician at five to one and third shipping in from new york for pletcher dr post a lot of people had dr post on their ticket uh then we had the del mar handicap this was a big field both rich and i said it was really wide open and uh, that kind of showed when they hit the finish line. Astronaut paid $50 with Victor Espinoza in the saddle for John Sheriffs. 
in uh, the uh, second spot was uh, Masterpiece at 22 to 1. Third was Acclimate at 10 to 1. So if you had just a 50 cent try, it was a great finish. These horses were all in, in the photo. Um, 50 cent try, 2000 $349 for 50 cents. Come on, folks. Pull down those easy win forms over here at Winning Ponies uh, because we had some good hits, and this could have been one of them. My records this week only go back a few days. But from that, I mean, of course, we win everywhere. But at Saratoga uh, this week, actually several days ago, uh, we had a $1 pick six that paid 2136 At Pimlico, a $1 super high five, this was just four days ago, paid 1303 And we do feature Delmar, too. And we had a nice $1 place all bet. Seven of eight paid 3835 Okay, that was the Del Mar Handicap. And from there, the Del Mar Oaks, of course, three-year-old fillies going a mile and eighth. The winner in here, hey, I finally had one. Of course, you all must have been listening and gone to the windows. Going global, the Irish bread, trained by Phil D'Amato now, even though he started his career over in the Emerald Isle. Got the job done in the Del Mar Oaks uh, over closing remarks. Uh, going global, boy, going back to a mile and an eighth and rallied. Uh, th this horse has a really, really good record now. Ten starts with six victories. Again, closing remarks in the second spot. And Fluffy Socks finished third. A couple more before we get to our friend Dan Illman. At Saratoga, the prestigious Alabama Stakes. The winner in here, not a big surprise, Malafat, uh, got the job done for Todd Pletcher. Uh, it's not that often you see horses sell for over a million dollars where they actually win their price back. Not the case with Malafat, who now has uh, raced past his sale price of just over a million dollars. Uh, at the Keeneland September sale. In the second spot was Clary Air, very consistent daughter of Curlin. And third, a lot of people picked this horse, Army Wife. Also at Saratoga, technical analysis, wire to wire in the Lake Placid Stakes. And down at Mammoth, it was the Phil Isselin, a grade three for three-year-olds. The winner in here, no surprise to anybody. Odds on, code of honor. We'll see where this uh, five-year-old son of Noble Mission shows up next. Back on Lasix for that race. No whip, obviously, down there at Monmouth. Great ride by Paco Lopez. Okay, that was a look at national news and the races we handicapped last week. Really looking forward to our next guest, as I always do. None other than Daily Racing Forms' Dan Elman. I'm John Engelhart, and you are listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Bet with confidence. Bet with BUSR. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times with us right now. One of my favorite guests and yours too, from the feedback I get none other than Dan Illman from the daily racing forum. You can see him just about daily on DRF.com. And by the way, folks, uh, don't tell anybody this, but if you're interested in robbing his house, this is the one weekend he finally gets to sneak away and go to Saratoga. So if you have his address in Brooklyn, this is the weekend you can get in there and get all those old racing manuals and stuff like that. But anyhow, with no further ado, Dan Elman, welcome to Winning Ponies. Well, it's always a pleasure, John. Thanks. Uh, hopefully people don't have my address, but if they do, plenty <laughs> of old racing memorabilia that I'm actually looking to try to get rid of. Hey, let me know if you find a source, because uh, a- after about 40 years of collecting since a little kid, I got to clean this place out and got some great stuff. That's the whole thing is you start going through it, Dan, and you go, oh, here's the Travers program when General Assembly won and set the track record. I can't get rid of this. <laughs> so it goes back. You're absolutely the right. I mean, they, they all hold, you know, pieces of your heart a little bit. Uh, we love this game so much. We want to collect. And then, then it becomes a hoarding situation. You have to get rid of some of the stuff. I mean, when it's the All-American Futurity fake trophy from 1982, at Rui Doso Downs, then you know it's time to go. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But some of those things are so far back in the basement, I don't know if I'll ever get to them. So hmm. good luck to my family when I meet my maker because they'll have fun trying to figure it out. But uh, nonetheless, Dan, I- I've got a question for you, okay? You do spa babies, okay? That's probably the most impossible thing to do. Because, as I stated earlier in the show, it's like opening up the Keeneland September catalog and picking the top 10 horses, and they're in the fifth race, a two-year-old maiden at Saratoga. How the heck do you ferret them out? I mean, the, the, the bloodlines and the connections are so superb, it's got to be only a toothpick separates your picks. 
It is true, but th- there is a way to handicap these races. It-, it is a guesswork at the end of the day, but you do have three uh, factors. You have the trainer, which could be the arguably the most important factor. There are some trainers that win first time out at a very, very high percentage. Think Wesley Ward. And there are some that simply don't. Uh, Rudy Rodriguez, I believe, had won this, this meet, but he comes to mind as one that hasn't been winning recently. Bill Mott historically doesn't win with first-time starters. Right. Uh, there are the workouts, and you have the Mike Welsh workout report on DRF.com. He'll tell you how these horses are working, and perhaps more importantly for me, if these horses are working in company with other horses. We saw one last Sunday for Todd Pletcher. I believe her name was Goddess of Fire. She had worked in company with a horse named My Prankster, who won the day before with for Pletcher by something like 10 lengths with a 92 buyer speed figure. Goddess of Fire kept up with him in the morning. Well, to me, that's a situation where that horse was probably live and she won and paid something like six bucks. And then, of course, there's the pedigree. There are some stallions that just are late developing, late blooming. They don't win with first-time stars, and then there are others that are extremely precocious. So there's a way to break it down. I think Nicole Russo and I try to give as much information as we can, and that's really all we can do, because at the end of the game day, even with those three factors, it's a great guessing game. It is, but it's a great spot that you and Nicole do, and I advise all our listeners to to go over and and check it out. Well, you, you know, to me, Dan is a guy that grew up going to the races at Saratoga. Uh, the Travers holds a very very special place, obviously called the Midsummer Derby, and and and. I started looking through some of the past history and the races I was at. So uh, I'm going to give you my favorite. And then as hard as it is, I'd like you to give, if you can, your favorite Traverse stakes. And mine was a bit of a controversy. Uh, I was there for the Alidar and Affirmed race back in 1978 when Affirmed easily beat Alidar but was taken down for interference down the backstretch. It was a heartbreaker, but, you know, just to see Ali Darren affirmed race one time live was was worth it all, even though I bet affirmed. Do you have a special Travers that you remember? The 1994 Travers for me, that Holy Bull one. Uh, if you go back and watch on YouTube the call of that race, Tom Durkin's call was simply phenomenal. Holy Bull was in there stretching out to a mile and a quarter, and D. Wayne Lucas entered a rapid. I think his name was Comanche Trail to go after Holy Bull early, and he did. And Holy Bull put him away after about a half mile. And then I think Thunder Gulch went after Holy Bull, and Holy Bull put him away. And then I think Unaccounted For, who was a pretty good horse, went after Holy Bull, will put him away. And you heard Durkin say on the turn as Holy Bull had the lead turning into the stretch, there's cause for concern. Because here came Concern, who would later win the Breeders' Cup Classic. You had to think that he was going to take advantage of a softened-up Holy Bull, but Holy Bull just refused to lose, and uh, he was able to dig down and win. He was a true champion. That was a great race, and that was a superb call. He was a true champion, and what's great about the Travers is, uh, you know, they've had a little bit more of a chance to develop, or maybe a lot more chance to develop uh, than uh, the first Saturday in May, and I think we're seeing uh, more true of a tale of the three-year-olds that make it to that race, and uh, as we bring up the word champion, we have a champion in this year's edition with essential quality, a horse who's only been beaten once in his life, that was a troubled trip. 
on the first Saturday of May at Churchill Downs. Uh, essential quality, some people might look at his Jim Dandy and go, you know, he had to grind it out. And, you know, I, I just don't know if, uh, you know, he's the sensational horse we all thought he was. I, I thought he did that in a rather workmanlike fashion. And if you go through his life's uh, resume, he just seems to know where the finish line is, you know, no matter what the distance or surface is and gets it done. He's a very, very tactical horse as well, and that's a big advantage. Tactical horses can make their own trips, and essential quality is not some pace-dependent runner. We saw in the bluegrass when there was no pace, he got right up close and won. We saw when there was a hot pace in the Belmont Stakes, he was able to sit back. The same situation occurred in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I think his Jim Dandy was a very, very good performance, considering that he was exceptionally wide. And Louis Sias made sure he wasn't going to get into any traffic trouble by having him in the sixth path around the turn and into the stretch. And essential quality was able to beat a rail skimmer, keep me in mind. I mean, he lost substantially more ground than keep me in mind. And he always had the feeling that he was going to win, that keep me in mind wasn't going to beat him. It was a good prep. He's way the horse to beat. He's four for four to five on the morning line, and deservedly so. But this is a pretty good addition of the Travers, I think, and essential quality will have to bring his A game if he's going to win. Uh, he will, and, and you know, I, I think you know a horse you have to to look at is one that didn't finish it in his last race. Certainly, no fault of his, and and that's Midnight Bourbon, uh, the Asmussen trainee who seems to just be coming into his own. And to go back to what I was talking about, that was the uh, Haskell Stakes uh, with the disqualification of Hot Rod Charlie. Uh, it looks like he was no worse for the wear because he's since come back and worked bullets at Saratoga. And thank goodness, because that was a rather horrific spill in the Haskell. He wasn't going to win. He was going to finish third behind Hot Trot Charlie and Mandaloon. But you're right. He does seem to show up each and every time. And perhaps the biggest key for him is that he draws the inside with speed. And I really think that if he breaks well, Ricardo Santana is going to put him on the lead. And the last time he won a race, the grade three Lecomte at the fairgrounds, he went gate to wire. He is comfortable on the lead. Now, I realize that the Preakness, the last race the Midnight Bourbon finished, might be week this year. Ron Bauer is on the sidelines. Medina Spirit comes back on Sunday at Del Mar in the shared belief, but you know yes. who knows with the situation with the Kentucky Derby, how that works out. Midnight Bourbon ran well, though. He pressed Medina Spirit through a pretty hot pace. He put him away, and he held for second behind the closer. He won the duel and lost the war. Uh, he is a hard-knocking horse. He has a really big, strong build. He's by Tis now, a two-time Breeders' Cup Classic winner. Lots to like from the Steve Asmussen barn. Well, uh, with the tone of your voice, Dan Elman, are, are we talking potential upset, or do you think the race is for plays? Um, I, I want to look at a potential upset, and not even going to be Midnight Bourbon. I'm, I'm looking at a very lightly raced horse, and maybe I'm picking a horse. It, it's a too much, too soon uh, situation, but the number five miles D fascinates me for Chad Brown, and no one got off to a hotter start during a Travers Week than Chad Brown. He won five races at Saratoga on Wednesday. He won the stake today. And uh, Miles D is a horse who made his career debut in a very, very live race last fall at Belmont. Not only did it produce three next out winners, but Greatest Honor, who ended up winning the Holy Bull in the Fountain of Youth, finished third in that race. Uh, he returned off a long layoff. He beat a horse that came back to graduate with a 97 buyer. And then in the curl in his first start around two turns, he ran pretty well. He had a good trip. He had a good setup. 
but for only his third start. He improved his buyer to a 95. He is by Curlin. He's from that wonderful Phipps family of personal ensign. He's bred to run all day long, and he's going to be a price. So Miles D, maybe too much too soon, but he's going to be a big price, and I'll pay to find out. <laughs> we'll find out again. We're talking with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, just discussed the Travers Stakes. Uh, I, I gave Dan the opportunity to pick a couple other races that that he found interest in, and one of them was the Forego. We're going to see, I think, at least three Grade One Seven Furlong races for different divisions, and this one's for the Four and Up division. And we're seeing a lot of familiar faces uh, uh, meet each other. Uh, Lexingtonian raised a lot of eyebrows. I don't know if he can run back to his Vanderbilt, but we're seeing almost half the field that came out of that race. All right. Other races, great ones that we're going to look at from Saratoga. Uh, how about two seven furlong races? There are actually three on the card for the different divisions. Uh, the grade one four go for four and up. This is uh, drawn four horses that came out of the Alfred Vanderbilt. The winner, Lexington. Tonian Calumet Farm Homebred uh, won that race. Here's a head scratcher. Ran in the Metropolitan race before that, got a 26. Yes, I said 26 buyer. And then comes back to run a 102 in the Vanderbilt and wins by a half a length at 34 to 1. So he's going to meet some of these horses back again. And we'll just see if he had the greatest day of his life or whatever. Now, who are the other horses you're talking about, John? Well, uh, $4.4 million earner Whitmore just keeps going and going and going uh, at eight years old, though he's shopping for his first win. He was third in the Vanderbilt. Uh, uh, mischievous Alex, a uh, really solid horse, just kind of dropped an anchor in there as a favorite. So we'll find out. He's back. I read Ortiz is in the saddle. And also out of that race was Frenze Fire, uh, $2.5 million earning. And that one will get Jose Ortiz for Kelly Breen. Now, the other uh, seven furlong race named after the chief. That's right. The Giant Killer. Alan Jerkins. I was there when the Giant Killer beat Secretariat. And uh, perhaps uh, Dan Elman remembers this uh, that day. Uh, Secretariat wasn't at the top of his game, but Alan Jerkins had Onion ready to roll and got the job done. Dan, are you back with us? I am back with you. Alan Jerkins not only beat Secretariat once, he beat him twice. He always said Secretariat could be had. <laughs> well, he got it done. Sad to say, I was right there because I knew that's where Secretary would be putting his uh, move in, right there at the quarter pole. And if you ever want one for the collection you can't get rid of, I've got a beautiful picture of Onion on the outside passing Secretariat <laughs> about five years later, went down to the Preakness in a, like the first or second race. It was about an $8,000 claimer. On the card was Onion. So uh, he did have his day in the sun. Well, uh, considering the, uh, the giant killer, Alan Jerkins, uh, you know, it looks like a great rematch back between Jackie's Warrior and, and Drain the Clock. Uh, they last met in the uh, very uh, slick Amsterdam, and Jackie's Warrior got a wake-up call after his near defeat in the Woody Stevens. 
Yeah, with nice rubber match now between Drain the Clock and Jackie's Warrior. Jackie's Warrior, though, just left Drain the Clock in the slop last time at Saratoga. He just loves it here at the Spies. Three for three. Of course, he won the hopeful last year going seven furlongs. If the Jackie's Warrior that won the Amsterdam shows up on Saturday, he's likely going to win at a short price. But he's not just facing Drain the Clock. He's facing a very intriguing runner named Life is Good. And this horse went three for three for Baffert, and he's now with Todd Fletcher. Now, we haven't seen him since March. He missed the entire Triple Crown Series due to injury. But, boy, was he brilliant before he went to the sidelines. He beat Medina Spirit twice. He whipped him in the San Felipe. And just remember, this horse ran a 107 buyer in early March. Really, and when you look at what he accomplished, he started at six and a half furlongs, moved to a mile, moved to a mile and a sixteenth. It doesn't look like anything could be in his way, but obviously he's been on the shelf. And from what I heard from listening to the boys on Fox today, uh, Mike Smith was tending bar over at the Todd Pletcher barn uh, last week, uh, just hanging around the, uh, the, the the tack room and because uh, he, he wanted to make sure that he got back on this horse's back. So he'll be flying in from California. Uh, we'll have Mike Smith reunited with Life is Good. Well, Dan, we're getting ready to close out this segment, but before we do, what, besides uh, you getting a chance to go see some races live, uh, what can we uh, see from Daily Racing Forum or DRF.com on Travers Day? All the Travers coverage from all of our great writers, including David Grenning and Mike Welsh. You have your DRF clock report at DRF.com, all the PPs. And please head on over to the Daily Racing Form YouTube channel, because that's where you'll get all of the expanded stakes previews from myself, Mike Beer, David Aragona, Craig Milkowski, Spa Babies with Nicole Russo, Brad Free handles the Southern California races, and we'll have a couple of special guests this week as well. So head on over to that Daily Racing Form YouTube channel for all of our Travers Day videos. All right. Well, Dan Elman, it is always a pleasure to have you on. You do a fantastic job, and enjoy your trek up the Hudson there, my friend. I really appreciate it. Always great talking to you, John, and best of luck to all the listeners. All right, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Going to take a quick break, and when we come back, you know a man that I admire. Ed Meyer will be joining us here on Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, 
Racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and back with me now, the former host of Winning Ponies that handed to the baton to me over a decade ago, if you can believe that or not. Let's get right to him. I gave him not only the Travers, but two Breeders' Cup winning your in races to look at, uh, both the uh, Sword Dancer and the Personal Ensign. Ed Meyer, uh, this won't be the first time I've listened to your voice today. I was listening to you uh, call the races today at Belterra Park, and maybe I was having some kind of flashback. Could I, I could have sworn in the middle of one of the races you gave the menu to Burger Brothers. In fact, I did. It, it, was, it was a three-horse uh, three horse race. We had uh, 12 nice runners ready for the turf. We came off the turf. We scratched down the three. And then the first uh, first turn, I did give the menu to Burger Brothers. Yes, you're right. <laughs> All right. I just thought I was, you know, ha- having a moment there. But, uh, no, you must be hungry. And, uh, and as, as, as has been said by many, Dragon, those are sometimes the hardest races to call. And it turned out to be a great horse race with my buddy John McKee getting up by a nose at the wire. But, hey, that's Belterra Park. We're going to Saratoga with our listeners here on Winning Ponies. Ed, do you have a Travers story or a favorite horse that ever won the Travers? You know, John, it, it just seems like to me, there's just such a hodgepodge of just years. As soon as you said that, I, I started seeing these mental images of coming down the lane and a couple of times I got snapped for a big pick four and other times I cashed on it. It's for me, it's never just been about one horse or one favorite. It's always that time of year. This signals to me, the end of summer, I mean, most people feel it's, you know, it's that, that the cool winds of, uh, you know, on Labor Day. For me, when I see the Travers, I know that things are coming to an end and we're going to be shifting our tack to fall racing. Well, there's probably some of these horses, Ed, that we're going to see on Saturday that we might not see until the Breeders' Cup. I mean, we're talking about six grade one races. It's phenomenal. Well, listen, let's get the granddaddy out of the way first. The run happy Travers stakes and uh, according to most people that have handicapped the source and looked at it, the essential quality will be the happy runner uh, at, at the finish line here at Saratoga, mile and a quarter for three-year-olds is the Midsummer Derby. John, uh, you know, I, I think uh, as Dan would have probably told you from Dave, David Grenning's article, this is going to cap off the summer of Saez. And I really think this is going to be a really important race that we're going to want to look back on and remember. This would be three in a row of essential quality seals the deal. This three-year-old son of Tappet, who's one for one at the spa, winning the Jim Dandy handily last time out. I think essential quality, it's essential quality in everyone else. I really think that Luis Saez, he's on his way to sealing the deal for a uh, for his first spa victory. And I, I'm trying not to jinx that because every every utterance, it, it really starts scaring me. But I know how much it means to him. I've been reading the entire time. John, Luis Saez is a great rider. But in fact, this, this year, he's really hit his A-plus game. I think essential quality is going to cap off the summer. And what a way to run happy Travers. 
very impressive. The lack of Lasix means absolutely nothing. A lot of handicappers, I noticed that I've, I've read on so many pages that the, the absence of Lasix means so much. Essential quality doesn't need it, hasn't used it, will not, and just keeps on rolling right along here. Brad Cox is winning 31%. I, I, I can't see four to five, but I'll be honest with you. It's going to be the top of all my try supers, and it's going to be the key in my pick four. Yeah, as I said to Dan Elman, the, the race is for place. He, he He's kind of interested in this Miles D, uh, who's making his fourth lifetime start for Chad. I have to admit, this horse hasn't done uh, m- much wrong in his career. Only won one race, but gets faster and faster every start and gets faster and faster as the distances stretch out. Uh, do you perhaps have a uh, a price under underneath this horse? Do you think maybe Midnight Bourbon's going to run right with him or might run uh, so fast early on that he's going to be the one to catch. I think essential quality can lay off. He can lay off if the, the pace is hot or if the pace is dawdling, I think he'll take it. I think we've got a real dangerous animal there. But as irony would have it, I've got the five circled as well. Lavian Pratt is support for Chad Brown, who rolled up five winners yesterday. John, the race in the Curlin was really impressive. I went back and watched it three times without Lasix. Flavian Pratt, yes, it's a huge step up the ladder, but this is what prices are made of. This is how we cash that four-digit uh, superfector or trifecta or your pick four. Flavian Pratt, you know that I really have a just a complete great deal of confidence in this guy's ability. Going to be awfully dangerous. Could could complete the exact and try, but for me, it's all essential quality. Yeah, me too. Ed. Well, listen, I gave you a tough task with only a few minutes to go. Breeders' Cup, winning your end races. Uh, let's go the grueling mile and a half. Let's hope uh, if rains come, which they often do at the spa, uh, it's not going to take this horse, th- this race off the turf. Hey, it's your stage. I'll give you the three that I find the most interest in. Of course, I think the horse that's going to be on the front end will be none other than Channel Maker, who loves the distance, believe it or not, a mile and a half on the grass, and loves Saratoga. Then you've got Aiden O'Brien and Ryan Moore. Look out, because they've been killing it with the selective races they've had in North America this year. And cross-border, you want to talk about horses for course, seven starts at Saratoga, six wins in a second. All of which, all of which, John, you speak is nothing but pure truth. I know you have a, have a little bit of a lean towards the Irish gentlemen when they come over here. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but, you know, maybe at another time we can bring that up. But all kidding aside, when you mentioned Trib event, there was two horses that really caught my eye this year in completely separate events. One was Go Next, and the other one was Trib event. And the way that they just took off and accelerated was just ultra scary. But we know who the speed of speed is going to be. Flavian Pat drawing the rail. Terrific. I just don't think you're going to demand that price because if you get anywhere near two to one, I think I'm going to switch over myself. But one of the big factors for me, I'm going to follow uh, for the naysayers about that Lasix last time out and win by two. Well, there's going to be no Lasix involved this time. Even though Chad Brown's part of the party here, I have all the faith in the world. But who I'm, who my big money's coming on is the two, I hope I say it right, Guffo. And Guffo for Christophe Clement and Joel Rosario John. I'm going to tell you what, this is a real nice runner here. And ever since they took away the Lasix, his late kick, the son of Declaration of War, is a monster. The dam has four starts, three wins, three turf wins, John. 
this is a real monster in the making here. All that it takes is some really salty fractions. And if we get anything more than about, I say, a 48 and change, it could be lights out. Guffo could be coming. If you see a really slow frozen half at 50 and change, you know, it might be lights out. And Flavian Pratt is a master at that. But for me, Guffo is going to be getting the perfect trip. Trip Van's going right out. He's going to drop right over to the hedge. Follow the inner turf has a little bit of a tighter circumference there in your turns. Not not all that much, but it's going to make a difference here. Rosario is really hitting on all gears, and he teams up with Christophe Coman to win twenty six percent of the time. So for me, that's my that's my real price here, John. And uh, uh, Gufo or Guffo uh, also only tried uh, a mile and a half on the turf once in his life, and that was his last start, and that was a win. And, Ed, you're guaranteed to set up because I think uh, Tribuvan and Channelmaker are going to be ding-donging it on the front end, so you might get the uh, setup that you want. And, you know, when you talk about setups, there's another late runner from the Brad Cox barn. That's the three Bonnie South at 10 to one Manny Franco aboard. Now Manny's numbers don't speak volumes right now, but he's a very underrated rider. Manny's the kind of guy that will jump up and bite you. If you actually don't have a piece of him on your ticket here, I really like this for you. Philly by Munnings. John one for one in the money at Saratoga was a beaten favorite last time out. And if you go back two races ago, hooked Latruska and ran a beautiful second in the Ogden fifths up there at Belmont. Maybe the added distance is going to make a difference, or the lesser distance is going to make a difference. But Brad Cox, with a beaten favorite, comes back to get his picture taken 33% of the time. So there's another price angle. Bonnie South underneath Tribuvan, Guffo, Bonnie South. There's another runner by the name of Royal Flag for Chad Brown with Joel Rosario in the irons who's also got a wicked late kick coming off that beaten favorite angle. So for me, I I don't necessarily have to put Tribuvan on top, but I'm going to have it in the middle part of my exotics here. But for me, I think Guffo is going to be leading the charge for me. If you don't see Guffo in the top two spots, you won't see me cashing the ticket for sure. I'm really interested in Bonnie South and Royal Flag. But, uh, you know, all all hats off to Tribuvan and my man Flavian Pratt coming from the left coast. Hey, you know who's going to be on the lead. Ed, I think you're getting uh, a little bit of a dovetail on, on the next race we're going to do, and that is the uh, a personal ensign. Uh, that's the race uh, that Latruska will have many, many eyes uh, on her. She's just been sensational uh, with $1.6 million. But Royal Flag and Bonnie South are in there. Uh, but don't put a ring around Latruska. You've got the two horses Ed alluded to. Uh, but, uh, hey, the uh, much-heralded Swiss skydiver will be in there uh, after a, uh, a failed attempt at trying to take the boys on in the Whitney. But it was a good race for, 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 for most of it. And uh, you've got uh, Bill Motts, Harvey's little oil, who's uh, only been out three times this year. And uh, as time goes by, Bob Baffert. But, yes, uh, Bonnie South. Ed, uh, it sounds like somebody's scratching at your phone there. Um, are you back with us? I am back with you. Actually, I just uh, got the rest of my stuff in order here. But, you know, when I was I was all about Tribuvan, and, and my horse Guffo is still my standout. Every single thing. And I even kind of tipped my hand to other races that I was actually looking at. 
Well, anyhow, the, the, the personal ensign, you know, Latruska, some people are saying with, with her record of uh, four wins from five starts this year, uh, you know, multiple grade one victories. Uh, some people are whispering potential horse of the year. But let me tell you, this is a talented field. She's got to get by in the uh, personal ensign. It's a mile and an eighth for fillies and mares. Oh, I, oh, I, I, I'm all caught on to you now, but I, I, I agree completely, John. And I think I kind of, I kind of laid my hand down about, uh, about Bonnie South. If you, if you're talking about the personal ensign now, if, uh, you know, I, I really kind of laid my hand out there about, about, uh, Bonnie South running seconds in Latruska that day. Very impressive, Latruska. I, I'm, but you've also got Swiss skydiver in there. I, neither one of us have even touched on that. Well, I just touched on it on the intro. Uh, you know, I just think if you put a line through a race against the boys, where she was very competitive uh, it, it, when they turned for home and then just kind of folded up a little bit, um, you, you know, that might have just been a prep for this thing. You know, you, you can't you, you, you can't ever just throw a McPeak horse out in a graded stakes race. Oh. How, how true. No, no true words were ever spoken. And last time out, hooked that speedster of Nick's go. That's why I had Nick's go on the, on the noggin. John, I'll tell you what. I haven't seen this much early speed that has been so impressive. This year, the, the summer of 2021 is going to be, for me, the speedster that really got out there and got loose. Swiss Skydiver can keep the fractions on us. So don't be afraid to play those double-digit prices that like a fast half. You know, 47 or less. Look for them, and I think there's where your hidden prices are going to be. Well, uh, you know, Latruska looks like she likes to play catch me if you can. Uh, she got a 48 in her last victory down at Churchill. Uh, now a 46 and three and a 103 buyer in the Ogden Phipps, Grade One at Belmont, and of course the prestigious Apple Blossom, where she beat Champion Monomoy Girl, got a 102 buyer and a win there. All of those on the front end, Ed. So I don't see any reason why she won't be there because as I look at the PPs, Swiss Skydiver is about the only one that can maybe entertain her to. Towards the front end. Agreed completely. I Latrice is going to jump out there and Swiss Skydiver is going to be the one that keeps this daughter super saver honest. Faustino Gutierrez brings brings comes up to uh, Saratoga's one for one, one for two in the money overall at Saratoga. Gonna grab the hook. John, I'm if I'm watching on whatever screen or whatever platform I'm watching on, I'm praying for about a 47 and change half. And the closer you can get to 47, the knockout punches are going to come rolling because I just think it's going to be impossible to keep up those those suicidal fractions going that going that distance. And Swiss Skydiver is a real gamer. You talked about running against the boys last time out. Taking away the Lasix hasn't been a problem here, and the Beholder Meyer was ultra impressive at Santa Anita. I really like I really like McPeak's horse, and McPeak is a is a good friend of yours from from days gone by, and still to this day, you have to. And you you touched on a good point. You have to really kind of factor him in when you're making like multi race wagers and or a superfecta or a trifecta. Yeah, I mean. Uh... McPeak's horses, they don't know where the hell they are when they wake up. Let's take a review of Swiss Skydiver's last races before her start in the Whitney. Oaklawn Park, Santa Anita, Keeneland, Pimlico, Churchill Downs, and then won the Alabama. 
at Saratoga. So this is certainly a filly that does not have to bring her track with her and comes into this race as much as we've held the Truska is the leading money earner with over $2.1 million. And Kenny picked her out of the Keeneland sale for, shall I say, a mere $35,000. That's a good eye for horse flesh. And let's not forget, Kenny McPeak was the guy that picked Curlin out of the September sale. So, uh, yeah, don't dismiss with Skydiver just because uh, she likes to uh, fly and take vans places. Uh, she can certainly uh, do well back against the ladies in the personal ensign. Well, Ed got about uh, two minutes or so left as, as we head into the final furlong of the Saratoga Meek. I know you've had some good days from talking to you off the air. Uh, what was your, what has been your overall view? We know that you're, you're rooting for uh, uh, Louis Saez to take the jockeys thing for a while there. It looked like maker. Now it's going to be a ding dong battle. Hard to top Chad Brown when he wins five races in a day. I got a feeling uh, Saratoga's Chad's world and the rest of the trainers are just living in it. Oh, how true. Every time that he goes to, every time he's in the paddock, you really have to factor it in. You cannot dismiss at any price. Chad Brown's been the most, for me, he's been the most exciting part. He's as cool as they come. He has that Bobby Frankel-ish coolness, laid back. Nothing's going to rattle him, and I really dig it. And when he rolled off those winners yesterday, John, I was just so happy. I thought, you know what, he's hitting on all cylinders. For me, actually, Chad Brown's been a lot of fun. The Ortiz brothers. To be honest with you, I've seen Irad Ortiz ride actually stronger and better. Maybe he's feeling the tail end of that injury. But for me, Luis Saez has been the big part for, and on the rider end. And I can't knock Chad Brown. I could even try with a hammer. This guy is Teflon. I, he's been so much fun to watch. Every time he's in any type of race, whether it be a sprint, a turf, you have to factor him in. He's very talented. I mean, if, that, if that's a newsflash, you haven't been watching much racing. <laughs> no, I don't think so. He, he won the feature uh, uh, this afternoon, as a matter of fact. Well, Ed, thank you so much. You know how much I enjoy our conversations. Uh, what, what do you say sometime soon we get together for a cup of coffee? You know, John, that would be lovely. And, and I hope that your listeners actually pay attention to the the hard work you bring to the table, you bring some of the best guests. I always enjoy listening. And if you're winning, if your friends have never, or your listeners have never tried winning ponies, now is the time to do so because these guys knock it out of the park on marquee weekends. Absolutely. All right. Ed Meyer, thank you so much. I want to remind everybody, go to winningponies.com. To get the easy win forms because you've got good races all over the place. Not, let's not forget you got a Breeders' Cup winning your in at Del Mar on Saturday, too, after my good friend Pat O'Brien, a grade two, and that's a Breeders' Cup winning your in uh, out there at uh, uh, Del Mar. And then the one you really want to remember because we just got the supplemental entry of Medina Spirit, the Shared Belief Stakes is going to be run. I know it's only a hundred thousand dollar race, and it's it's not uh, uh, a graded race, but Rock Your World and the Kentucky Derby winner for now. Medina Spirit will be locking horns. Well, that's it for another fun edition of. 
Racing with the regular guy on Winning Ponies. I can't thank Dan Illman and my friend Ed Meyer enough for joining me. And I want to remind you folks, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.